Thanksgiving is right around the corner, but it might look a little different this year for many people in the midst of the pandemic. That's right. For a lot of people, the gatherings will be smaller this year. Or maybe you're opting to drive instead of fly. Whatever the case, while our Thanksgiving logistics may change, I imagine for many folks, turkey will still be on the menu. And turkey is the topic of today's Thanksgiving-themed podcast. You may have heard the common belief that turkey makes you sleepy because it contains so much of the amino acid tryptophan. Today we'll talk about the science behind this theory and whether or not it's actually the case that you'll get the Thanksgiving sleepies. For starters, let's explain a little more about tryptophan. We've already mentioned that it's an amino acid, but what does that mean exactly? Just like in our recipe book analogy that we use when we talk about DNA and nucleotides being the letters that are coming together to make something more meaningful, like a gene, amino acids are building blocks of proteins. In fact, the nucleotide letters that spell out genes are actually read in short little sets of three called codons, and each codon represents a specific amino acid. Although there are 64 different combinations that you can make by placing these four nucleotides that we know make up DNA, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine, uh, into those three slots, there are some repeats. So at the end of the day, there are only 20 main amino acids. Our body can make most of these amino acids, but some amino acids cannot actually be synthesized by us alone. These are called essential amino acids, and we depend on food sources to obtain them. So tryptophan is one of these essential amino acids. L-tryptophan is found in Turkey. The L is a very technical term that essentially indicates the specific orientation of some of the atoms. Tryptophan is also found in other foods, including chicken, meat, tofu, nuts, cheese, eggs, and yogurt. You might remember L-tryptophan from our two-part vitamin and supplement episode, where we talked about how ingesting L-tryptophan supplements can lead to a very painful blood disorder. However, don't be alarmed. The amount of L-tryptophan you would ingest from turkey is very, very small compared to some of these supplements. Also, the FDA was able to track down the original outbreak to one manufacturer whose L-tryptophan was contaminated, which we know is a danger of not regulating supplements like we regulate drugs. We should probably also say that just because something is a supplement doesn't mean researchers haven't necessarily done clinical studies, even if the FDA can't require them to do so. For tryptophan, there are currently 237 completed or ongoing studies when I searched for it in clinicaltrials.gov. Anyways, besides being a building block in proteins, amino acids can sometimes moonlight or have more than one function uh, besides just making proteins. They can aid in chemical reactions to metabolize new molecules or even serve as signaling molecules and neurotransmitters. So what else does tryptophan do in the body? It turns out that tryptophan takes effect by a rather circuitous path. First, it is quickly converted to a vitamin B called niacin by the body. Then niacin contributes to the creation of serotonin. And you may have heard of serotonin because it's a neurotransmitter that's associated with sleep and sleep-related hormones. So to make a long story short, tryptophan is somewhat of a precursor to serotonin. Yes, exactly. And this is where the idea comes from, that it's turkey that makes you so sleepy. So beyond this basic knowledge, Emma and I took a deep dive into the tryptophan literature on PubMed, and we wanted to see where this link between tryptophan and sleep originated. 
I had to go all the way back to 1974, and honestly, there's Ooh. there's even work before that. <laughs> um, but at the time of 1974, at least, there was a lot of interest in tryptophan and its role in sleep because it had been established that tryptophan was a precursor to serotonin, and that at least in rats, administering tryptophan increased brain serotonin levels. So the paper I read was from a team including um, a medical doctor, Ernest Hartman, and his group noted that there was a lot of literature at the time, including really high doses of tryptophan. Dietary amounts of tryptophan normally range from zero to two grams. So what do the authors consider a high dose of tryptophan? It varied, but other groups had used as much as 15 grams. Wow, that's almost an order of magnitude more than you would adjust normally. Yeah, and at that high dose, people had some interesting ideas about what tryptophan could do. So this group decided to look at lower doses and study the effect of different aspects of sleep, mainly time spent in different sleep stages and also sleep latency, which is the amount of time it takes to fall asleep. We talk a lot about study design here on the podcast and just how important it is for interpreting your results and your questions. So how did they design this study since studying sleep is pretty complicated? Yeah, definitely. And just to, to relate this to our own research, I mean, this is, I think we've said again when we did our basic science podcast that the study design is, is the step that takes the longest. Like you have to plan this out the most carefully to make sure that you're actually asking the right questions in the right way. So in this study, they used 10 male subjects ages 21 to 35 who were screened for psychiatric disorders and reported sleep latencies around 15 minutes, which, you know, that's about how long it takes me to get to sleep. I've never timed it, but sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> These 10 men came to the lab 12 times and slept connected to EEG so the researchers could track the sleep stages. They also filled out a survey afterwards reporting their quality of sleep. The first two nights, they did not receive any treatment just so they could get used to sleeping in the lab with these, you know, electrodes connected to them. And then the next 10 nights, they were either given a placebo or a certain dose of tryptophan. And instead of having a separate control group, all of the men received all of the doses of tryptophan that they were testing as well as having a couple nights where they were given placebo instead of tryptophan. So, for instance, like maybe subject A received 4 grams of tryptophan on day 1, placebo on day 2, 10 grams of tryptophan on day 3, 1 gram on day 4, etc. until they had received um, all of the doses they were testing. So each test subject was their own control in a way because they could compare the sleep on nights where they had placebo versus a dose of tryptophan. Yes. And just a fun fact here, the men were given tryptophan via a milkshake, which that just sounds lovely. That does sound so nice, like right before bed too. Yeah. Oh. What doesn't sound good with this study is that women were excluded from this study and the sample size seems pretty small. Yeah, I, I did notice that too. So important caveats to keep in mind when we talk about the results. What did they report for the results? So the big finding was that tryptophan reduced sleep latency. In other words, it helped the men fall asleep more quickly. Was any particular dose more effective at reducing sleep latency? 
Looking at the raw numbers, they seem to all have similar effects, but when they performed statistical testing, they found that only three concentrations were statistically significant, and that was one gram, four grams, and 10 grams. So this is important to know if you're thinking of giving tryptophan as a potential sleep aid, right? If you can give somebody one gram instead of 10 grams, why risk the potential side effects when you increase the dosage? I'd like to note here that I I think they had a lot of variability in the response. So when they graphed the sleep latency time, they showed the average of the 10 men and then the standard error of the mean. Standard error of the mean is a statistical way to show variability of all the data since the average is just one value, whereas you actually, you know, you have measurements from 10 different people. To visualize this variability a little better, imagine if you had a data set of 10 values and the average was 10. When you actually look at the 10 values, 9 of them are 1 and 1 of them is 91. So the average of those nine values of one and the one value of 91 is 10. But that's not really representative of the data set since most of the values are much smaller than 10. Exactly. So it's good practice to show how much variability you have in your data. There are actually two ways to show this variability, standard deviation and standard error. Standard error can be a kind of deceptive way to show variability because it is always smaller making your data appear less variable. And it's smaller because it accounts for how many instances you have of certain numbers. Tryptophan also didn't seem to particularly affect the time spent in any of the sleep stages, with one exception. At a high dose of 10 grams of tryptophan, the time spent in REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep was actually decreased, which doesn't seem like that's necessarily a good thing. Um, (laughs) But lastly, when they analyzed the survey responses of how the men rated their own sleep, they found no significant difference in self-reported quality of sleep between the placebo and the tryptophan nights. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that it didn't, you know, they didn't feel like they were getting better sleep with tryptophan. Mm -hmm. We also looked at another tryptophan study, which was double blind. And double blind, as we've kind of mentioned before, means that the people in the study don't know if they're getting a treatment or a placebo, and the researchers also don't know if the patients are getting a treatment or placebo. So in the case of this study, some third party would decide who would receive tryptophan and who would not receive tryptophan. And this study is interesting as well because they include women in the study, though they only have two women to their eight men. In the study, they gave participants either 1.2 or 2.4 grams of tryptophan or a placebo on different days. Then they measured objective and subjective measures of sleepiness. To give a bit of background on these tests, and we've already talked about them a little bit, but researchers can test sleep objectively via a test called multiple sleep latency, which is basically testing daytime sleepiness and how likely you are to fall asleep during the day. And it's objective because the researchers are measuring this. Researchers can also test sleep subjectively by having participants fill out the Stanford Sleepiness Scale, which has them rank their current level of sleepiness. And I'll bet that 1974 paper that you read, is prob- they probably used that sleepiness scale to have the participants rate how sleepy they felt the next day. Yeah, I didn't I didn't look into um what the what the survey entailed, but I wouldn't be surprised. 
This study brings up interesting points that most tryptophan studies were completed with people taking tryptophan right before bed, like the study we just talked about. And it's thought that tryptophan lowers the threshold needed to fall asleep. But for most people, it's already easier to fall asleep around bedtime because our body kind of naturally lowers that threshold. So in a way, giving people tryptophan before bed can confound the results if you want to know whether tryptophan affects sleepiness. For this reason, in this study, they gave participants tryptophan in the morning after an overnight fast to see how tryptophan affects sleepiness. The subjects then went into the sleep lab where their sleep latency, or how likely they are to fall asleep, was measured. The scientists measured this one, two, and three hours after taking tryptophan. And how they measured this is they had participants take mid-morning naps, and they measured serum tryptophan levels by looking at tryptophan in the blood, and also performing these objective and subjective sleep tests. Sign me up for that research study, because I want a nap. <laughs> yeah, what a life. That sounds fantastic. Milkshakes and naps? I think we need to uh, get into some sleep research <laughs> studies, Emma. <laughs> I've actually done a lot of hearing studies at, at UNC for people in the hearing lab, but, you know, that's just kind of listening to sounds and pushing buttons. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I haven't really done any any trials of any sort, but I would be down for sleeping in milkshakes, too. A hundred percent. So the results from this study were interesting. They saw that both doses of tryptophan reduced sleep latency compared to placebo, meaning that it was easier for people to fall asleep after having tryptophan, and they saw this reflected in the blood tryptophan levels. They also correlated the objective measures of sleepiness, which they measured, and the subjective measures of sleepiness, which were measured via the survey, and they found there was a statistically significant correlation for those on the 2.4 gram dose. We thought this study was interesting because they wanted to measure the effects of tryptophan when sleep wouldn't confound their studies. Most people don't need early morning naps. I mean, I do enjoy them, but <laughs> since they dosed participants in the morning and had them nap, they could see the effect of tryptophan without sleep confounding. When I was reading the paper, they didn't really talk about any differences between gender either. So I think that the men and women responded similarly to this 2.4 gram dose. But again, there were only 10 participants, and that is not a lot. I guess this, uh, this study might be a little more relevant when talking about our, our Thanksgiving sleepiness, since that's happening during the day, too. <laughs> <laughs> but while there is evidence for tryptophan promoting sleep, the logic linking turkey to sleepiness doesn't completely make sense when we consider a few factors. So first of all, Emma said earlier that the amount of tryptophan in turkey is small. And importantly, it's not the only amino acid in turkey. There are other amino acids, and this sea of amino acids that you get when you ingest turkey creates a sort of traffic jam in the bloodstream, which gets especially crowded at the blood-brain barrier, which we know, you know doesn't like to let too many things through. So with all of these other amino acids besides tryptophan competing for access to the brain, it's hard for tryptophan to even get where it can have these effects that Emma talked about in promoting serotonin. Also, I mentioned many other foods that contain tryptophan, and there's nothing unique about turkey. Other meats have similar amounts of tryptophan. I find it funny that turkey gets such a bad rap for this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if not turkey, then what? Because we know... As scientists, where we have tested this in ourselves, the Thanksgiving food coma does exist. Sure, sure. Can, can confirm. 
I have definitely experienced the Thanksgiving food coma. (laughs) There may be other explanations. So instead of turkey, some scientists blame carbohydrates for this sleepy feeling. Eating a lot of carbs causes the pancreas to release insulin, which promotes your tissues to absorb glucose and most amino acids from the bloodstream. Most amino acids, that is, except for tryptophan. So without competition from other amino acids, it's easier for tryptophan to cross the blood-brain barrier and take effect when you eat these carbs and remove the other amino acids. Still, other scientists speculate that simply ingesting large amounts of food could cause sleepiness because digestion takes a lot of energy. And while you're using that energy in your intestinal tract, there is less available for brain and skeletal muscles, meaning that your body wants to nap. And of course, either in the spirit of the holiday or perhaps because of this especially tense political climate, some of us might be enjoying a drink or two, which could also contribute to sleepiness. (laughs) 